And welcome to Desolate Ada. Hey everybody, welcome to my desk of fun. It's a Sunday around Lady Ada o'clock. Yeah, it's Labor Day, we're laboring. We're laboring. We have a bunch of uh, product stuff. Yes. We have a cool app we're going to show um, from Maxim, and we have DigiKey Create Search. We have so a lot going on Let's here. jump right in, because we got a lot going, and then as soon as we're finished with Desk of Lady Ada, we're working on a bunch of cool stuff that you're going to see all during the week. So yes. Big Big week ahead. I had to clean off my desk. Okay, so first up, we're going to kick it off because it's Sunday. It's a STEMA Sunday. Yeah, we're celebrating over 50 STEMA boards already, but Lady Ada, you probably have another STEMA that you're working on, right? I am. So let's go to the overhead and let's take a look at it. So the STEMA that I worked on over the weekend uh, is the BNO 080. Hold on a second. Let me... Great. Uh, the BNO 080 is a kind of collaboration between Hillcrest Laboratories and Bosch. It's a, um, I think it's a BMX 055 um, nine DOF sensor, accelerometer, magnetometer, gyroscope, along with a SAMD20, which is basically like the little sister of the SAMD21 that's so popular in our boards. And that chip does sensor fusion and interfacing to like, instead of just getting rock accelerometer data, you get actual orientation vectors, which is usually like a lot of annoying math and calibration stuff that people don't want to deal with, especially when you're just, you just want to get like, your VR project up and running. So that's the chip in the center. Uh, and this is like a plug and play board we made. It's got a crystal, it's got a level shifter uh, and a regulator because it runs on three volts. You wanna make sure people can use it with five volt chips. This is a great match for like a five volt Uno, which doesn't have enough memory to do uh, sensor fusion and orientation calculations, but it can just read the data off of this chip, which is kind of nice. Um, it's got two STEM IQT connectors. These are quick compatible. Uh, shout out to Nate at SparkFun for inventing it. It was a great invention. Uh, and one thing that's neat about this sensor is that it supports not only I2C, which is what we use for STEM on QT in general, SPI, which I really like because it can be used by single board computers and you can bit bang. That's kind of a nice thing about SPI. And it also has UART. And UART is usually not my favorite like protocol serial. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of serial for sensors. Except that it, allow, it is the only thing that you can connect up to a computer, like a PC or Mac or Windows. There's, no, there's not really a super easy, easy way of um, connecting uh, I2C to your SPI devices. We have these little adapter boards, but you know, Serial is actually natively built in. So you, know, you can use an FTDI cable. Uh, I've got one here, and um, they've got uh, power, ground, RX, and TX, and you can plug the sensor in. And so I was working on um, decoding this SHTP protocol from Bosch, and it's, it's kind of like a very interesting protocol, which means it's like a bit quite complicated. And I was like not quite getting the, the data responses I was expecting. I was not sure exactly like why, why I'm like, you know, so I'm trying to just do a soft reset. It's not really soft resetting. And I was kind of a couple hours in, and that's when I started realizing, okay, if I can't figure out a protocol, what I should do is I should try to reverse engineer a working setup. So I did a little bit of Googling and uh, I was going to my computer. And um, from looking around and looking on DigiKey, I found the FSP 200, which is the, the Hillcrest, that's again the maker. They make a dev board and the dev board has the BNO 080, that's like this chip over here, this rectangular one. And on this little adapter, which you can see here, and soldered onto a USB 
to serial converter. And then here's a little switch. There's two different UART modes, and SHTP is the one I'm trying to decode. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, this is kind of what I want. And then, you know, I would use their eval software, and then I would just, like, sniff the connection. Um, and these are, like, 90 bucks, which I was kind of like, okay, you know, if I can't figure it out by Tuesday when DigiKey's back open after Labor Day, I'll order this. Is there somebody has a question? Yeah, how many on? can you put on a I2C bus? Two. Okay. Which is one other nice thing about SPI. With SPI, you can put infinite because you just have a chip select line for each, each one. Um, okay, so, you know, I, I was, like, looking at this thing, and then one thing I recommend, so people always ask me, like, you know, Lady Ada, why do you run Windows? Like... Why aren't you running Linux or something? Yeah, one time some guy emailed and said, since the elevator that you take to your desk at Adafruit, the, the source code's not available. We're not an open source company, open source hardware company. So is that, are you mean it like that, or do you mean it just like generally speaking? Like generally speaking. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, but the, I run Windows 10, which I actually quite like. Um, and the reason I run Windows is because when you're doing electronics, eval software for chips and development software for chips is always Windows only. In fact, you sent me an article about the early iPod development that used the ARM toolchain, yeah. and it said like they all had to use Windows because like yeah. there was no ARM toolchain for for Mac um, at the time. So um, I went and I found uh, this tool. It's like it's actually in Python. It's kind of cool. It's like in Python and Qt. It's like there's like five bazillion files, but it actually is kind of a nice little uh, like Motion Studio. It's a eval software, um, and you know you plug in the board, and you can see there's a couple options here. I can do the uh, FSP 200 SHP, or just I don't know. I guess this is like you know some other dev board or something, and then there's the SHTP and RVC, the two ways of UARTing. And I was like, well, you know, I looked at the, the data sheet for the SHP, and it's like, oh, the chip is an FTDI chip. And I was like, well, what if I just, like, grab one of my FTDI cables? I've got, like, a bazillion of them. And I wired it up, and it actually worked uh, just fine. So when you click um, SHP Connect, you can say it says, like, open success, FTDI adapter board found. So thanks to SIVA for not being, like, weird and, and, like, having a special VID PID lock. Like, they're just happy with any FTDI connected to this chip, and um, then you can start seeing like the data being transferred back and forth. And this is like packetized. Um, what you can do here is then like request data. So for example, getting the firmware version. And that's usually the first thing you do after you connect the chip. Okay, so I knew that the chip was working, the breakout was working, and I could connect over UART. So the next trick is you want to sniff the serial connection. and there's software, it's not free, called like Serial Port Monitor. And there's actually one nice thing about Linux is there's a lot, there are, are open source um, Serial Port Monitors. You can also connect uh, just two probes from your Saley um, or other logic analyzer, which I did before I remembered that I had this software. And um, you can see, you know, one nice thing about these software is they do show you like all the hex data being dumped and they show you written and read data so you can see like, this was what I was missing. I had to send this 557E07E to kind of like wake up the sensor a little bit. And it responds with 7E00017E. And then I can start sending, this is like the reset command or something. So um, it was really nice to have this data um, 
to look at while I go with the driver. And then it was, it, you know, when you start doing matchy-matchy, it's like you send the same data as it sends and you should get their same response. And, and that was it. I mean, like it actually worked um, pretty well. And then what's another neat thing is there's this like virtual object. And let's see if I get this. Sorry, geomagnetic rotation. You can see the, uh, as I rotate my hand here, I can make this sword move. Yeah, I'll get it in. Handle quick, yeah. yeah, so I'm, I'm twisting this. Okay, here, put that in frame. You can kind of oh. yeah, move it up a little bit. There you go, look at that. Yeah, so this is kind of neat. So this is a this is a trick that I have done many, 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 many times. If there's a center that has UART, um, they almost always have a dev board that has like a serial converter chip, the chip itself, and, and some Windows software that you run, and then you just sniff the UART data. Um, I did this uh, to develop the fingerprint sensor library that like everybody in the universe uses. Um, I just ran this weird software from the Chinese company and then I just sniffed the connection and then I used that to, to build out the library. So this is a this is a common thing. I squirt C of course in SPI you can also sniff. It's just you usually you do have to have the hardware dev board which, whereas what's nice about UART is like you just use any USB serial cable. So that's um, Lady Ada's tips and tricks for uh, hardware development and reverse engineering. It's it's an easy one but if you don't know about it uh, it's a good trick to know. All right, cool. Okay. All right, next up, we got two more things. So um, analog uh, mobile app. This yep. is from uh, Maxim. It's called the Essential Analog Mobile App. You get uh, insights on the go. And we did a review. Um, you had a, a specific phone for testing. Uh, we partnered with Maxim. Lots of large electronics companies and component makers and integrated circuit makers are making their own apps. And uh, we teamed up with them. I want said, them to do a good job. Yeah, we teamed up with them and we said, hey, like, we'll... We're gonna we're gonna take this for a spin. So here we go. Uh, there's free stuff in it for you. There's free stuff. So watch. Uh, be like, we'll be back in like seven minutes. Yeah, we'll watch our overview of all the things the app can do, and then we'll see on the other side. We're gonna do great search, DigiKey. Okay, Lady Ada Maxim has a new app called Essential Analog, and this is a really cool app because we're seeing electronic component manufacturers say, hey, lots of people use mobile devices. So let's make an app for them so they can find all the different parts. So this is called Essential Analog. And scan that QR code. Insights on the go, available for iOS and for Google Play, Android. And uh, there's a link there. And you can also just hold up your phone right now. That makes it super easy. And uh, through the marvels of uh, modern video recording, we're going to go live to a phone that's on Lady Ada's desk. So let's see what's here. Okay, so um, I'm gonna launch my, uh, my Maxim app. Um, so yeah, Maxim told us, hey, check out this app, do a review, try it out, tell us what works, what's great, what isn't, and then also let everybody else know about it. And so we're like, yeah. absolutely, we will do that. And bonus, if you watch this video, you're gonna get some free stuff. Now who doesn't love free stuff? Lots of free stuff to be had in this app. Um, one thing you will need before you can like do a whole bunch of stuff for the app, you don't need a Maxim account, but if you make a My Maxim account once you want to purchase or sample stuff, you'll wanna be logged in, which I've done here, which is why you'll see me just skip straight to like the checkout page. So um, let's start with the newsfeed. 
So this is kind of, to me, this is the most interesting because I really like seeing the NPIs, the new products that are coming um, from each chip manufacturer. Uh, so like I subscribed to the RSS feeds, or in this case, I subscribed to the news feed. Um, there's videos that you can play from within the app that demo the latest eval boards and latest chipsets. And there's like a lovely uh, eval engineer, a design engineer who will take you Hi, through the process. Hi, welcome to the design shop. Um, I'm I also Tony like that Henderson, there are closed captions on these. That's integrated. pretty cool. Today, I'm gonna, um, show I'm gonna you play the whole video, but feel evaluate. free to check out. There's a couple different, there's like half a dozen different videos available with um, the latest eval board. So if you have like time to kill and you're like, I wanna see what's the latest videos, check that out. Um, there's also app notes. So app notes are a really good way to um, get a sense of how to use the part in the most efficient way. In this case, um, you know, Maxim does a lot of medical, wearable, uh, you know, low power electronics. So um, this app note is about uh, quiescent current in buck and boost converters. And um, they kind of talk about, you know, the history of buck converters and all that good stuff. And then um, you can see I can, using the pinch, I can zoom in. Um, the feature part for this app note is the MAX uh, 17222, which is a pretty cool boost regulator because it can go down as low as 400 millivolts in, which is really nice. I mean, you can run it off of like a nearly dead AAA battery, which is or more than dead AAA battery. Um, so I'm interested in this part. Okay, so what do you do? Well, I just, I just point at it. I click it and it actually takes me to the Maxim uh, website where I can then uh, do stuff like download the data sheet. Um, and then, you know, I can, I can look at the specs in more detail, like what the pinouts are and voltage in and current and quiescent, all that. Um, I can check out um, more specs here. There's also like uh, you know, design simulators and stuff. Um, you can subscribe. Oh, so for that, you, you do have to log in, subscribe. And that way, when there's updates to the product, uh, you will get notified. Um, I use this to get notified when there's new data sheet updates. Um, and then, of course, my favorite is uh, you can also order it. So um, from here, you can buy or sample. Now, for you know, beginner engineers who don't know this, Maxim is great about sending free samples of chips. If you see a chip and you're like, I might want to use this, just get the sample now because it's free. They'll ship it to you in a couple days. You can get up to four pieces of each sample. And then when you're ready to use it in your design, you don't have to like dig around and try to find out like how to get the part, especially if it's out of stock somewhere. So I always recommend engineers sample as much as you want. I did when I was a student and like I saved hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Um, you can also purchase from here. Um, so that's, you know, like going from app note to product to sampling to purchasing. So that's, you know, one way to use the app. Um, other than the news feed, you can go to the main menu. And here there's kind of like everything it can do. Now we just showed you, um, you know, you can order parts um, through the product page. Uh, there's also like a hot link here. You can, you know, put in your, your favorite uh, Maxim part. And um, you can purchase directly from here. So they'll give you detailed pricing. And then of course you can also sample. And remember I said there was free stuff that you could get. Well, there's this free analog toolkit um, and there's a video about it. And I think it has like 30 analog different analog components like radiation. CAN bus and boost converters and isolators, and all that stuff. This is free. If you register the on the Maxim site and um, view a package option. through and the app here, click sample. 
You'll have to log in with your account, of course, because they need to know your address, where to ship it. You can get this essentials kit for free. So look at all this free stuff you're getting. Free app, free stuff. Um, so uh, other than that, you can also uh, look for parts by type. Like for example, let's say I want to look for an audio amplifier. Um, they have some recommended ones. If you star these, like you hit that little star button, when you go to favorites, it shows up in your favorites. So that bottom right favorite star thing will let you quickly get to that part. This is good if you're using um, the smart selector, which is, you know, like on a website, normally on Maxim, you would say like, okay, well, you know, I want, um, let's see. Oops. I want to, you know, get a, a boost converter and then you filter and you say, well, you know, I have to make sure, you know, I can, I want it to take between like, you know, five volts and 2.5 volts. And I need it to give me, you know, at least three volts output. And I need about, uh, you know, 200 milliamps output. When you search and you get all your options, you might like star the ones as you're going through them. Um, and then, you know, look at them in detail later when you want to look at the data sheet. So like, just go through and like star which ones you want. So that's using the filter. And okay, so going back to the menu, um, there's also uh, the app feedback and contact us. So if you're using this app, it is new. If you see stuff you want to see improved, uh, click on the contact us to get more details. There's also a profile and a leaderboard. So the leaderboard, I think, like when you watch videos or order samples or look up data sheets, you get points. And like, hopefully if you like get to the top of the leaderboard, they give you more free stuff. But I don't know, I don't know what the, what the um, prizes are. But uh, you can uh, check out leaderboards and um, if you register, you'll, you'll be added if you'd like. So I think that's it. Oh wait, there's one more thing. I want to show the cross-references. So this is kind of handy. Um, sometimes I want a part that's similar to another part. Um, but maybe it's like discontinued or like I want it for Maxim because I really like the Maxim quality. So let's say I want like a Maxim ADC and I'm used to using like the ADS series of um, ADCs. You can type in part of a uh, part number. So I don't type out the full part number. I just typed in like the first uh, five digits and I'll say, okay, well, you know, if you're using the ADS 11461, you know, you might be interested in the Max 1415. So this is kind of handy, especially like you, people who watch Desk and Lady 8, I know I say, always get multiple sources for your components. So if something happens to your supplier or it's unavailable, the lead time is really long, you have an alternative. So this is a good tool um, for that. And yeah, I think that's it. So check out the app. Don't forget to get the free stuff. Go to the toolkit register and get these i'm going to click sample as soon as we're done here i'm going to get that free stuff i love free samples and maxim has an excellent excellent sample policy and sample program and it's what made me an engineer believe me uh, i got a lot of uh, max 232s when i was in college uh, to get started with my uh, microcontroller boards so um check out the app it's free available for android for iOS, it was really easy. I installed it, and I'm going to get some free parts. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, all the best to Maxim to go. Thanks so much, Lady Ada. Yes. And thanks, Maxim. Okay, cool. I'm going to post up that video as a standalone video 
on our site so folks can check it out. All the links are there. You can hold up your phone to QR code if you want to try the app out. And uh, special thanks to Maxim. Um, we're going to continue to do more app reviews, more reviews of things that are in the electronics world. And as always, on Desk of Lady Ada, we have The Great Search. The Great Search with Digicator. Yay! Okay, what are you searching for this week, Lady Ada? Um, okay, so uh, we chatted about um, this 9DOF accelerometer magnetometer gyro from uh, Bosch that I'm working on a STEM QT board for. And uh, that kind of got me thinking about accelerometers. And I thought, you know, accelerometers are a really common sensor that people integrate into their project or product. They're very inexpensive these days. Uh, they're quite powerful and they can be used to sense a lot of things like motion, tilt, shaking, tapping. Um, accelerometers kind of do it all. And uh, I thought it would be good to show the different kinds of accelerometers you can get on DigiKey because there's a lot of them. And uh, an interesting way to um, also export data from DigiKey for more analysis. So let's go to Le Computer. Okay. So um, we'll start by first talking about um, what kind of accelerometer we're going to get. Uh, I want a surface mount accelerometer that can solder onto a board. Um, I want one that can be interfaced with um, my microcontroller or uh, you know whatever host processor it is. Um, I'm going to assume it's a 3.3 volt device, although there's a couple accelerometers that can be used in a very wide voltage range. Um, I'm going to look at both analog and digital accelerometers. And um, I'm also going to uh, show sorting by price and some of the extras that you can get um, in accelerometers because they, they, they're kind of stuffed full of extra goodies these days. So the toughest part of this is actually a spelling accelerometer. There's two C's, one L. And um, there's a lot. There's also like a, you know, a lot of dev boards, accessories, and such. But uh, you know, I want the sensor transducer motion sensor, accelerometer. There's also different kinds of motion sensors like inclinometers um, and vibration sensors, but in this case, the motion sensor I want is an accelerometer. As always, I'm going to go straight up for the active parts only. Um, and I want ones that are uh, normally stocking, uh, that, you know, they're, they're, they may not be in stock today, but in general, they're in stock. And uh, I want Rojas compliance, which is pretty much all of them anyways. Um, okay, so next up, you can pick axis. Um, there's like dash, which usually, you know, means uncategorized. X, X, Y, X, Y, Z, and Z. Accelerometers used to come in single axis. And, you know, if you look at um, these, you'll see some of these are like really old school style, like analog accelerometers. Um, these are not used by most people. Um, some of these are like mil spec, that's why they're expensive. Some of them are like 500G. Um, in general, you're not going to want a single axe accelerometer. As you can see, the prices are quite high because they're very specialized usage. Um, you'll still use it when you had an accelerometer with single axis. If you wanted multiple axes, you'd actually have to get three accelerometers and like solder them with 90 degree orientation. It was kind of horrible. Um, we're just going to go for the um, triple axis, X, Y, and Z. I also like to always include the dash. Um, sometimes the dash is from like really old products or products that like 
maybe it's unclear what the, the data is. I like to include them anyways, although I almost never end up picking those products because it's usually like some weird outlier. Um, but in this case, I'm just going to apply these filters. Okay, next up, um, you can pick, you can start to see like, okay, I got these accelerometers. Uh, I'm going to pick ones that are surface mount, which is most of them. Um, there's also like free hanging, I guess it's like a, that's some sort of module and oh, lost myself. There's chassis mount. What are those? Oh, so chassis, this is like an all in one, you know, like integrated accelerometer module. This is not like a, a raw chip. Wow. This is $4,000. There's some nice expensive things on DigiKey. I wonder what the most expensive thing is. I think it's like probably an FPGA for like military usage. It's gonna be my guess. Box of okay. RAM. Box of RAM. Okay, so uh, but back to this. I, I want a surface mount. I'm not. I'm not ready for the four thousand dollar module. Um, okay, so type and type kind of goes with output type. Um, so in all honesty, every accelerometer is analog in the, in the in the bare details. It's it's a flexible. Uh, MEMS um, uh, kind of like finger joint that uh, moves up and down with acceleration and then it the, the capacitance of that changes and it's measured through an ADC but sometimes they toss the ADC in and that's when you get um, you know a digital type. If you want an analog voltage output which you know some people really like them actually we sell a couple and they're quite popular. Um, one thing that's nice is that you can get them um, with, you know, not, so there's a 200 G1, um, but they're usually ratiometric. Um, if you have an ADC, you can, of course, sample it as quickly as you want. Um, Analog Devices makes a popular series, the ADXL series. Uh, STM also has them. You know, I don't see people using analog accelerometers as much anymore because they, they have ones that are built in digital. But there are some situations where, like, maybe you do want to have it integrate with an analog circuit. Um, so there's no, like, digital reading. For example, you could have a, um, a tripwire circuit, like, you know, a shake detector that looks for an absolute voltage change. And then that gets latched and triggers some circuit. It might be, might be less expensive and might be more reliable. Um, if you just have the pure analog output, because there's no like configuration and setup and like initialization required, you just you turn it on and it instantly works. So analog does have some uses, um, but in this case, I'm going to go with uh, I squared C or SPI. I want a digital output. Um, next, check out the voltage. Uh, you know, with sensors, I've been I've been trapped by this. I've been uh, I've been tricked. Uh, I see a sensor I really like, and then I don't notice until it's too late that it doesn't run at the voltage range I want it to. Um, if you're using 1.8 volt electronics or 3.3 volt, you want to take a look. Make sure that it either can you know can do both, but it isn't one or the other. For example, there's um, three of them that are 1.8 volt only, and uh, there's three that are only up to about two volts, and nine that don't go past 2.7. So if you want to make sure that it runs at 3.3 volts, um, I usually select all and then like control click to deselect the ones that won't fit. Now you'll notice that there's none that are five volt. There's five volts there. I mean, there might be one or two analog ones that can run at five volts, but these days 
They're all going to be 3.3 or 1.8. Okay, next up, um, acceleration ranges. So likewise, there's, there's actually kind of like only two and a half ranges for accelerometers. There's either the like 16 G and below, 8, 8 to 16 G and below, the 40 G, and then like the 100 plus Gs. So 100 plus Gs is if you're dealing with like massive shock detection, um, like rocketry, like explosions. I don't know, something, 100 G is like a huge amount of Gs. So uh, if, you know, race car stuff, if that's what you need, uh, you know it and you should, you should get those. We do sell a couple hundred G accelerometers. But for the most part, if you're just detecting like user motion, you're going to want to stick um, 8G and below. Often, you know, user motion doesn't really even get below, uh, get above 4G. Again, 1G is just normal gravity. So think, you know, do things really accelerate more than four times the speed of gravity? Um, and then um, for sports, like, you know, humans bumping into other humans at high speeds and high masses, uh, for those, you're going to want um, like 16 to 32 Gs. Um, that's what usually like sports activity accelerometers are for. Uh, in this case, you know, I just, I, I, I don't mind having slightly higher than, than 8G, but I don't, I definitely don't need the 200Gs. So, um, and you're not going to get ones that both do 204. Like, you either get, like, the 1, 2, 3, 4, you know, 1, 2, 4, 8 range or the 100, 200. So, again, select all and then use the control key to click away the ones that are, you know, way higher than I'm expecting to use, which is about, like, 2G. Okay, cool. Okay, there's also features. Um, so here's the deal with features because they're, they're helpful when looking at sensors, but I always rely on the data sheet because these are very easy to like get wrong or misunderstand. So not that, um, you know, it's something will have a low pass filter and this is like a total lie. It's just that there might be ones that do have a low pass filter, but it's like a different kind than what you want. Maybe the low pass filter only like has a differential mode. I mean, there's all sorts of like weirdnesses with each accelerometer. So features gives you a sense of what it does, but I don't use this as a pure way to filter out chips. And then um, here's another thing that I, I do want to mention, because as you're looking at sensors, this comes up. If you're sometimes you're looking for sizes, like when we did the inductor video, remember I was like, oh, I really want it to be less than four by four millimeters. Well, you're not going to get necessarily like you do have like the sizes um, here, but they're not, it's not like written out the same way. So what you have to do is you have to read the package device and these numbers at the end are the millimeter by millimeter size. So for example, this QFN is three by three and this LGA is 1.6 by 1.6. And I'll give you a sense of how big it's gonna be on the, the circuit board. And also conversely, how hard it's gonna be to solder. You want something with the fewest pins in the largest package to make it easy to solder, less yield problems, something that's going to be, you know, less than two by two millimeters or like this CSP, which is, you know, 1.3 by one millimeter, that's going to be very, very small, not going to be very hand solderable or even hot air solderable, perhaps. So um, keep that in mind. I, I don't, I'm not too picky. I will say like, you know, I don't really want it to go beyond 
this size. Like I don't, I don't want it to be four by four or five by five, so I can apply that filter. And then you can just start looking at um, the chips that are available. And I think, you know, here you can, of course, go by cost, in which case nothing beats this uh, Keonix, K, uh, KXT-J3. Um, the fact that there's 30,000 stock makes me think like, wow, the people really do like this. That it's a lot of stock to hold of a single sensor. Um, hard to beat at 51.8 cents though. Um, there's definitely price wars that occur with accelerometers. This is my favorite, uh, the List 3DH as well. Uh, and of course the Bosch sensor text down here. Another thing I just wanna note, I don't use this very often, but it's good to have, especially when you wanna do maybe more detailed analysis. Um, there's this download table button. And when you download the table, you'll actually get the exported data from DigiKey with all of the different, um, the, the data with all the, the table headers. So in this case, if you want to, um, if you're good at Excel or, you know, spreadsheet programming, you could, for example, filter out, you know, only ones that contain um, the word sleep mode or something. Now, for this short list, maybe it doesn't matter so much, but um, if you have like, you know, a thousand items and you want to, you don't want to have to page through them, you want to quickly sort them, uh, you might want to sort by, you know, multiple um, columns in order, like sort by this one and then subsort by another one or, or divide and conquer. Um, you can use your spreadsheet program. You don't have to use a DigiKey site. It's got great search and it can do the selection modes, but this data is the same data. So that's another top tip for a great search. And that's a great search for DigiKey. Okay. Whew. All right, so I'm going to read off some questions. Yeah. Um, all right, so... Uh, Parallel Logic was looking for accelerometer that was low power and has an external interrupt when the device was in a specific orientation, not just change in orientation. Ultimately, I'm thinking about a ball switch. You know, a, a you know, ball tilt switch really works well. They're very inexpensive. They're very reliable. Again, no I squared C or SPI, just one pin. Um, there's also accelerometers you can configure for orientation interrupts. They, they do exist. So, uh, you know, most of these days we'll have them too. If it's I squared C or SPI mode, you're probably going to be able to get that kind of interrupt output, but for that, you have to really look at the data sheet because it's very specific to the chip. Okay, this one's from Jim. Hey, Jim. Um, question for the STEMI QT sensors. Besides the soldering, is there a way to disable the onboard LED for applications with low power requirements or where extraneous light is unwanted? Um, some of them have a, have a spot you can cut the LED. I've actually not... I was wondering, like, would people really be bothered by it? But actually, most people seem to like it because they know that it's been plugged in. Um, you can solder it to remove it. Um, I will say that the power draw is very, very minimal. I have a 10K resistor on it, so it's it's like well, well, well under one milliamp of okay. current. Um, this one I'm just going to pick apart some of the comments that are together. Uh, PTC and USB support, that's what I'm uh, leading me towards the SAML series. They're not a fan of the PTC support. Would rather do all do this in the Arduino IDE. So I think that was something you were looking at. PTC is about half of the PCB. I also like RTC and everything they'll be doing is a straight C++. C++. Trying to run an interpreter on external memory would kill me on the power budget. I think I think they're just designing a board in the comments. Yeah, <laughs> I don't fine. think it has much to do with it. Is that. there a specific uh, SAML 21 you would recommend? 
I mean, you know, use microchip search to find which variant of the SAM series you like. They're all going to be, you know, very similar. Anything with the SAM, SAM D or SAM L series, they kind of share the same core, same peripherals. So you can kind of go between them. Some have USB, some are 5 volt, some are low power, some whatever. Um, just find whatever the closest one that you like. Okay. And you should be happy. Uh, so it says, I know this is all topic. I really want to build my own power supply, but I don't know how. Do you recommend me to just buy one? Some recommend a desktop power supply unit. Do you have any recommendations, Lee Data? Um, you know, you can, uh, you can get like one of those breadboard power supply kits. Like we have one and that's adjustable. Um, you can grab an old PC power supply and then use that if you just need like 5 volts and 12 volts and 3 volts. Um, you can build your own. I wouldn't build, these days I wouldn't build one with a transformer. Like I kind of did that in college and now it's like very weird and archaic. Like we don't really do transformer based power supplies anymore. Um, we also have in the shop what I, I like these, these plug adapters and there's a switch on the side and you can select different voltages and that can get you pretty close. So if you need something adjustable and you don't want to like spend the money on, a, on an adjustable power supply, you, there's a lot of hacks you can do to kind of get, you know, it's like, oh, I kind of need about five volts, I need about nine volts, I need about like four. Okay. Um, how do you choose between these parts to make a breakout board popularity features, price magic? Um, it's, it's a little bit of price, a little bit of features. Um, I look for, you know, there's like infinite accelerometers, right? So it's like the only reason I would make another accelerometer breakout, which I'm probably not going to do for a while, is um, if it was like significantly higher quality or significantly more capable or significantly lower cost. Like when we started, we made breakouts for like the analog triple axis accelerometers because this was the only thing, you, there, like there's only one. It was like the ADXL335. That was it. And then lo and behold, Analog made a digital one called the ADXL345, and it was like amazing. And then like there was the MMA series, which is like, you, it was I squared C, and it was like 14 bits. It's like, it was more precision. And then, um, you know, the list 3DH came out, and it was much lower cost and had like tap detection. And then, you know, I saw the MSA 301, and I was like, that's even less expensive. So it's like, it's a little bit of like, cost is a big one. Um, but I'm not going to make a breakout for every accelerometer. It doesn't make sense. Like I actually looked at the BMA 456, um, recently and I was like, well, like, should I make a breakout for it? it has a pedometer, but then I already had a breakout for the LSM 6DS series of accelerometer gyros. And even though those are accelerometer plus gyros are about the same price and they have a pedometer built in, the pedometer works really well. Um, so like it has to be significantly, you know, there has to be something extra for me to think it's worth it. Okay, someone points out that JLC PCB uh, has design services. We've not tried that out, of course, uh, but, yeah. but let us know how it works out. A couple Try people it. that I see in the comments um, on a regular basis, let us know um, if you're going to try it out. I, I have not tried design services. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I like to do my own laundry. I don't like laundry services. Well, you're a different case, obviously. You, you design feel, PCBs for a living. I design PCBs. So I don't know how I feel about somebody else designing Of course, um, but it's cool. But it is cool. I, look, if it works, it okay. saves you time. Uh, on accelerometers, the person was reading through the data sheet. The interrupt on orientation 
tended to be changed like 12 degrees from one position yeah. rather than wake within device uh, is only within a range. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, like, you know, the, there often are like interrupts built in, but the interrupts are like you get to only choose, you know, from 12 different built in interrupts, you know, that are usually at a certain amount of change in, you know, some time or um, an amount of motion or an amount of no motion, but there's like, it's very, it's not usually customized um, beyond that. You can wake up every few seconds and like take measurements. Um, it's another thing to do. Okay. If you want to do low power, but with semi QT breakouts, do you know a way to control the three volt line to these breakouts? So when the microcontroller sleeps, the sensors do too. Um, yeah. Connect the, the five volt of the power pin to a microcontroller pin. If you're using, most of our sensors will run on 10, 20 milliamps and a microcontroller pin can source that. So you can just power it directly from a microcontroller pin. It's, it's, you know, a little bit not kosher, but works fine. I do it all the time. Um, and as long as, as long as your sensor chain, everything on the I2C bus is less than 10 milliamps, so I think it's perfectly fine to do. Okay. And you absolutely cut down all the power. There's no worry about quiescent current at all. And that's our Desk of Lady Ada tonight. Don't forget, this Wednesday is CircuitPython Day 99-2020, celebrating the biggest and best Python on hardware community, Yay. I think, out there. Thank you, everyone, who contributes. Everyone's welcome. Part of it and more. We're going to be doing stuff all throughout the day on that's Wednesday. That's right. 99-2020. Blinka folks are also welcome. Raspberry Pi users. Yeah. Uh, BeagleBone. NVIDIA Jetson, all y'all Linux folks, you're using CircuitPython too. If you're using our libraries, it's CircuitPython. Yep. And we have hundreds of boards in circuitpython.org slash downloads. About 50 or so in Blinko. We got 50 or so STEM. We got thousands of Feather and Feather Wings. We got a lot going on. And uh, we'll see everybody during this week. Bye, everybody.